Dirty Paper Project, Dirty Paper Podcast. All right, Dirty Paper Podcasters, I want to welcome you back. Now, if this is your first episode and this is the first time you're checking in with us, I would like to ask that you go back and begin with episode one, part one, to ensure that you're getting everything and you're getting all the content. I want to welcome you to the Dirty Paper Project and the Dirty Paper Podcast. When's the last time you had a feedback? When's the last time you talked with your I want to welcome you back. This is episode three, part two. And before I jump into this episode, I just want to say thank you to all the listeners. I want to thank you for supporting the Dirty Paper Project. And if this isn't for you, my request is that you pass it on to someone who may need to hear this or just needs this. Because I can tell you as a victim standing alone at times like this not only damages your sense of integrity in the system, but the unspeakable damage it does to your mental and physical health. And this is not to mention the damage it does to your reputation. Now, jumping back into this and recapping from part one of this episode, we spoke about the laws regarding official misconduct and how that comes about. And like we said, it's the knowledge of the crime or the act and then not acting or in this case enabling the act then we went over some of the laws regulations and air force instructions which specifically pertains to reprisal and retaliation as it relates to whistleblower protections and in this episode we're going to continue the discussion on the equal opportunity office or military equal opportunity office and how that fits into the bigger picture and additionally speaking we also reference the same laws air force instructions and regulations all wrapped up and fit nice and neatly into a handy commander's guide called a commander's law book which really tells you specifically what a protected statement is whom is allowed to receive it the nature and the timeline in order to receive such protections so now as we get into part two of episode three, we're going to talk about the specifics of my visit to the military equal opportunity office and the cover up. So retouching just a bit. And if you remember, in episode one, I wrote a statement which I gave to investigators during report to survey investigation 0675, which was in my defense of being blamed of stealing or thieving $100,000 in computer equipment. Also, Air Force Instruction 91301 of 2008, which is the Air Force Inspector General's Complaint Resolution Guide in Section 1.2.1.1, the Asset Test. It also explains reprisal, and it explains it as a subset of abuse of authority. And abuse of authority is also defined as arbitrary and caprice. And we've talked about that a bit, but here we're going to go into it just a little bit more. And here's the problem. You see, that word and reprisal and whistleblower or even the protections that's given to whistleblowers in such a manner didn't really exist in 2007. And in fact, the laws were still in its infancy because if you 
go back to 2007 and you look at the first set of DOD directives, such as 7015.06, whistleblower protection laws really wasn't established until July of 2007. In fact, if you go out and look at AFI 3627.06, Military Equal Opportunity of 5 October 2010, it in itself does not really establish protections for reprisal until 2009. So when we talk about that word reprisal, me, myself, I really had no idea of what reprisal was, what it meant, or even where to apply it. Because what we're getting ready to talk about now is a document from the 13th of February. And for the record, there are several issues to take note of because we will be addressing this throughout this episode. So first, if you look down in block eight of this document, the SME checks the block stating that this one visit is a non-military equal opportunity assistant visit and basically he's saying that i wasn't there for military equal opportunity so as you can see he's basically trying to dumb down my visit and before i dig deeper into the military equal opportunity office and the program my point here is not to discredit him but to discredit the process because again for me in this moment and looking back this was a very pivotal moment and if the military equal opportunity office had done his job instead of treating me like i was some fucking whiny snot-nosed ass kid i believe my situation would have gone way different than what it did and besides all that according to air force instruction 362706 military equal opportunity office the military equal opportunity officer is what's called the SME subject matter expert and he is the expert on complaint resolution so the second thing to take note of is the date of this document and it states 7 February was my first visit to the military equal opportunity office now I can tell you that that is incorrect and here's why because at the time of this incident I was closely being followed by the officer in charge of the flight and the perpetrator of what I perceived as discrimination. So my time and what I was doing throughout the day was being closely scrutinized and he followed me out to work calls and even calling my clients to see if I was even there or had been there. And this had been going on since September of 2006. So you see, this was a daily occurrence. So not only did I have to make sure that I was on the up and up, I had to make sure that all of my appointments were on the office calendar. Calendar. So if you look down at the office calendar from December of 2006, it specifically tells you that my first visit to the Military Equal Opportunity Office was on December 19th of 2006. And why I remember this is because the day before I went to visit the Military Equal Opportunity Office, I went to see the Area Defense Council so that I could understand what laws pertain to me and what the rules were and what my protections were. Because at the time, I felt like my life was spinning out of control and I felt like I had nowhere to turn. But moving on, now that we've established the timeline and the beginning of the true timeline of events, let's talk about section nine of this document. It says summary of concerns and I quote, Staff Sergeant Robinson has visited the Military Equal Opportunity Office because he feels, and this part is redacted, the officer in charge of the flight is unreasonably picking on him and has given him paperwork, and he has in parentheses here, LOCs, which are letters of counseling, for unfounded acts. He expressed that no matter what he does, and this is redacted, the officer in charge of the flight finds fault in it. He expressed that in addition to this, officer in charge of the flight has anger issues and sometimes flies off the handle he also expressed that he is switching job with another unit member and that and this is redacted the officer in charge of the flight does not seem to hold the other member to the same standard that he's being held to 
And when asked if he felt if his concerns with the officer in charge of the flight fell within the military equal opportunity office purview, he did not feel they do at this time. Now, let's just talk about section nine and the summary of concerns is that he says that the officer in charge of the flight has anger issues and flies off the handle. Now, why would he say that at this particular time? Because if this was a documented event, and I said those things, where is the rest of everything else that I stated? Where is the rest of it? Because this statement is my last visit to the Military Equal Opportunity Office. So in fact, if you listen to the excerpt from my first visit on 19 December, it sets a different tone than what is being written. Additionally, if you listen, he asked me from the visit of December of 2006 to come back and to come back on Thursday, which is the 21st of December of 2006. And he wants me to come back and he wants me to get my evidence in order, I guess, and bring it back to him. listeners this is where i filed an informal complaint and for those of you who don't know according to afi 362706 military equal opportunity office in section 3.2 military members cannot file an anonymous complaint i'll say it again military members cannot file an anonymous complaint so therefore we cannot remain anonymous on the background which really represents a problem for me at this point. But I think the sticking point with this is the timeline. And when I came back on the 21st of December to hand the military equal opportunity, my evidence. And I think during this time, I was thinking to myself, what if I didn't have any evidence? What if? Because you see, AFI 362706, Military Equal Opportunity, it states that the Military Equal Opportunity Officer is the subject matter expert. And I honestly believe that and in, in hearing what was going on, that he would take care of it. And I just believe in this particular instance, the Military Equal Opportunity Officer dropped the ball and left me hanging. And I say this again, this was a very pivotal moment in my life. And at the time, because I truly believed and trusted that the Military Equal Opportunity Officer would have at the very least gone at me some breathing room but instead it had the very opposite effect because when i left that office that day the military equal opportunity officer told me he was referring my case to the ig and asked me to call them to set up an appointment in relation to the fraud waste and abuse that i had disclosed during my first meeting with him and again I had no idea of what reprisal was, nor what a protected statement meant, especially in the bigger picture as it relates to this, because in my book, it was discrimination and favoritism, hands down. And this brings me back to the intake form and all the follow-up information, or in this case, the lack thereof, because later on in the day of the 21st of December, I get back to my squadron and I'm ushered down to the commander's office and ask me point blank, did you file a complaint? And I'm telling you, ladies and gentlemen, I was thrown back because I assumed that I would have had a bit of anonymity. But this really, really set me back. And 
Although I had not been to my IG appointment yet, I told him yes, and I thought that this was speaking in reference to the Military Equal Opportunity Office visit, which was what I was referring to. So thinking back to this moment, I think about a statement that Lieutenant General Rockwell made during a Senate Arms Committee meeting in June of 2020 where he referred to mentorship and he asked the question, was everyone being trained or mentored the same way? Because the facts of what's about to happen next relates to official misconduct. And that's just the tip of the iceberg when we speak of knowledge of fact. And if you remember our project statement or project question is how much does the commander know? Because the military equal opportunity office has notified the commander of my informal complaint. And I've told him, yes, I filed an informal complaint. Again, I'm thinking he's talking about the Military Equal Opportunity Office, but he's referring to the Inspector General, which is the phone call he got. But looking back, I have to ask myself, why did I file a formal complaint? And you see, I believe that this was the remedy and this would resolve the situation and the officer in charge of the flight would stop fucking with me. Seriously. And of course I was. And I believed in something that really wasn't meant for me as an enlisted member. And I say this because the benefit of doubt, especially in these situations, was not afforded to me because I was being trumped by the ethical judgment of my commander. And again, that brings me back to the statement about mentorship from Lieutenant General Rockwell. And I say this because of what happens next, because the commander was coaching the officer in charge of the flight through the next series of events. And being that the commander knew of my informal complaint makes this a mentoring moment. Now, off the top, remember any statement made to an official is a protected statement as it pertains to those disclosures, fraud, waste and abuse, or a statement about reprisal. And according to AFI 51604, appointment to an assumption of command and AFI 38101 Air Force Organization. And these AFIs basically go over the chain of command and who's allowed to receive these protected disclosures. And once again, I've made two more protected disclosures or protected statements. I made one to the military military equal opportunity officer who's referred my complaint to the IG office and the IG office has now called my commander and my commander has asked me point blank did I file a complaint and again I'm thinking he's talking about the military equal opportunity office and I tell him yes I filed a complaint so his knowledge of my protected statement and all the events that happen after this is called and considered reprisal and considering my informal complaint and my disclosure once again concerning fraud, waste, and abuse. And this is the first time I've ever heard the word reprisal. And this was during the meeting with the Military Equal Opportunity Officer. Maybe it's not. Maybe it's not a one thing. Maybe it's not just a one thing. You know, this is what I do. It's kind of behavior. That's what I do. Yeah, whatever you say to me, to be honest with you, um, I heard you say that there might be some issues of favoritism based on fraternization. I would say there might be some issues of reprisal. centered around what I thought was discrimination and the obvious favoritism, not to mention the treatment I was receiving. But looking back, this is where it really became apparent 
that I was being reprised against. And if I knew then what I know now, and again, I wasn't the subject matter expert on reprisal or retribution, I think things would have been different because what happens next is textbook reprisal sanctioned by the commander because number one, he's been notified of my informal complaint. And again, he has asked me about my informal complaint, which I verified for him. But see, at the time, I didn't know that he was asking people in my section about the reprisal. And this is documented in a statement that he knew that there was reprisal going on. So from the 21st of December of 2006 through January 22nd of 2007, it got really, really quiet. And I mean, really quiet. In fact, the officer in charge of the flight had said not one thing to me, but he spoke to everyone else. And you see, what was happening is that he was ostracizing me and made it look like I was the bad guy. So for me, I was like, fuck it. If that means peace, then so be it. But it would be short lived. In fact, this was how he was separating me from everyone else by ostracizing me. So some people and to me at the time, this was like a breath of fresh air. But by the officer in charge of the flight not speaking to me or telling people he couldn't be in the same room with me, which is also illegal and another form of reprisal. But this was a part of the bigger plan because he was making me look the part, the bad guy. And this made it easier for him to do what was next. So tune into the finale of episode three, where we discuss the military equal opportunity office and the climactic events. Until then, take care of yourself and be safe. Dirty Paper Project, Dirty Paper Podcast.